what I consider to be the best chapter, forgive me, Lord, but that's just my opinion, of the book of Job. The 42nd chapter of the book of Job. Thank you, folks. God bless you. Appreciate the choir worship this morning. So good. Hmm? Yeah, well, I want all the classes, subclasses, right. Yes, ma'am. Go ahead and go out, subs. The Sunday school teachers, please join me, join us here on the platform today. Anybody appreciate our Sunday school teachers this morning? You could not pay me enough to drive a school bus, to teach public school, and these, these folks that give up their time teach your kids they deserve they deserve recognition I'm telling you that as I said Wednesday night I'll get off on a good start today brother Ken I said Wednesday night that everybody sees their own kids through distorted glasses everybody thinks everybody else's kids can be unruly but never mine and people that go oh not me pastor those are the ones especially think that So it's a special blessing to have people that will work with them, deal with them, help them. About the second time I had to wipe some 10-year-old's nose, it'd be like, I resign. So God bless you, Sunday school teachers. I appreciate that. Amen. So the Lord blessed the latter end of Job more than his beginning. For he had 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels, 1,000 yoke of oxen, and 1,000 she-asses. He also had seven sons, three daughters. He called the name of the first Jemima, the name of the second Keziah, the name of the third Karen Huppock. And in all the land were no women found so fair as the daughters of Job. And their father gave them inheritance among their brethren. After this lived Job 140 years and saw his sons and his sons' sons even four generations. So Job died being old and full of days. Can you go right back? To verse 15 for me, sis, and then 16. Right. All the land of Job, nobody like his kids. Nobody like Job's kids. And their father laid up in store for them. Now the next one, again, verse 16. And after this lived Job. After this lived Job. I'm going to talk to you this morning from this thought. After this, keep on living. After this lived Job. Look at somebody and say, after this is over, keep on living. 
Thank you, God, for your mercy today and for your loving kindness. The hand, God, that you lend to help us in everyday life. Our ups and downs, our turmoil, our toils of life, our struggles. That your presence, God, would be there continually. That's the only way, only way we make it, God, is your presence in our life. Love you and adore you and thank you, God. You're good. In the name of the Lord Jesus. After this, keep on living. You may be seated. Hallelujah. Brother Andre, I saw you today back there. Sometimes when I read the Bible, I finish my few devotional minutes and I close the book or turn the phone off and I just go on my way for the day. But there are other times when I read, there are things that reach out of there and cling to my thoughts and sometimes I keep them in my thoughts, bouncing around for a few minutes. Sometimes they hang around for a few days. I never ever in hundreds of times, and I'm not boasting, but hundreds of times I've read Job from beginning to end. I have never read that without one of those occurrences happening, that it just sticks with me for a few days, something in this precious book of Job. And it's always been that way because there's something about this book that's unique from any other book in your Bible. Every book is unique, but there's something about the message in the book of Job. Most of us don't even want to talk about it. But what was going on in this conversation between God and the devil? Was it an anomaly or an abnormality? An isolated incident? What in the world is God trying to convey to us of him conversing with the rival of every soul? Why would he want to share that with us? What's the point of the book of Job? I can never look at it, any chapter in that book, and not have a few moments of time where it just keeps asking me the same question. What in the world is going on here? And I assume it happened at least one more time in the Bible, this layout, this strategy, this scripted way, because in Luke twenty-two thirty-one. 31, Jesus tells Peter, Satan has desired, past, past tense, to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. So the same thing, in my opinion, that was going on with Job between God and the devil was going on between the Lord Jesus Christ and the devil. Only Peter's now in the middle. And to get quiet here this morning. But I wonder if there's any other circumstances like that. I wonder if he ever thinks about you in that regard. I wonder if Justin Sonatag's name is ever between God and the enemy. And if so, what's the point? What am I supposed to take away from that? The devil wanted Peter just like he wanted Job. Someone said, well, the devil's after difference makers. And I believe that. I'll, I'll hook on to that. But aren't every one of us in some regard or another difference makers? Maybe in your family you're a difference maker. Maybe on your job you're a difference maker. Someone said, oh, I have nothing to worry about. I'm not that big of a deal. Let me tell you, if you attempt to live for God with any regard, any effort, 
You're a difference maker. And Jesus said, in the world, you shall have tribulation. That's John 16, 33. You don't have that, but in case anybody wants to reference it for themselves. But since all Scripture is given by the inspiration of God, 2 Timothy 3.16, all Scripture is meant to profit each and every one of us. Everything in that book has a reason it's there. Well, it's the law it doesn't apply. Now, we talked about that recently, didn't we? Moral law, civil law, etc. Everything in there can be applied at least figuratively, if not literally. But since all Scripture is given by inspiration of God, literally means breathed by God Himself, then this must be more than just an allegory, a parable, a metaphor. There's got to be a deeper reason that it's left for you and I to sift through. Must be something God's trying to say to Brother Joe. Must be something God's trying to say to Brother Justin. Years ago, uh, I forget if it was Brother Glover or Brother Bradbury referenced Brother Carnley. There was an elder in the district preached around and uh, Delton Carnley. And he preached for us years and years ago over in the old sanctuary. I hadn't been here more than a couple of years. And I was sitting in the front row. And he's preaching about Job, and, and he repeats the question of King James, have you considered my servant Job? And then he makes the statement, comes down right in front of me and says, have you considered my servant Ron? I said, don't do me no favors, brother. Don't do me no favors. But is it simply to be put in that place of our mind where knowledge rests and we never use it. I just can't believe that sometimes in life, all that you go through, all that you're dealing with on a daily basis, and you've got family, you know what I'm talking about. Sometimes things are good in the family, and sometimes it's like all hell has been unleashed in your world. No one's got the right answer. No one wants to do right. No one, no one, you know what I'm saying. Sometimes... Just keeping the family afloat is difficult. Is that just a random occurrence? Is that just circumstantially there? We talked a little about Wednesday night about spiritual warfare. And where is it? If we believe in it, tell me when you've been involved in that this week. Show me how you've been engaged in spiritual warfare uh, today. I think it's simpler than we make, we make it out to be. Every day the devil is trying to get inside my thoughts, get inside my decisions, get inside my framework right here where I make choices. Spiritual warfare. It was not accidentally that, accidental that Jesus went to the garden, his favorite place to go pray, by the way. All that temptation that fell out there. All of that pressure of life. And he sweat where were, as it were, great drops of blood. I think it's more than accidental or random. Experts say nine months expired 
between the time Job began to suffer and he got the victorious report of it all being over. Nine months. The last time you endured a trial for nine months. Now, some of you may be going through trial for years. I know somebody. Somebody shared something with me recently. Been going on in their life for a long time. You don't, have to, you don't have to assume it's all this dark stuff, but it's just a struggle for them. Why, when someone wants to talk about problems they're dealing with, why do we always go right to the dark bottom? Sometimes it's just hard to pay your bills, you know? And it gets depressing to struggle like that all the time. Well, nine months he went through this. Lost everything. But this scripture always jumped off the page and grabbed me in Job 31.40. After suffering for so long, everybody has a breaking point. You know that. Oh, you should have been stronger than that, Pastor Harry. Well, I've been through much more than that. Everybody has a different breaking point. There's some people... Some people melt down at the initial sign of any kind of problem. Oh, I can't help it. I'm quitting. I'm not going to live for God. I'm not going back to church. Come on. Grow up a little bit. Life's not about having everything done for you. You got to get through some stuff in life, right? They that endure to the end, the same. But then there are others that are tough constitutionally. I would have quit long before some of those people tell you something. I would have quit a long time ago if I'd have been through four months of grueling chemo, a physical surgery, radiation. Look at the scripture. After, after so long of suffering, Job goes silent. It's like I'm putting these words into play here. It's like he says, I've had enough. I can't take it anymore. Mute was his position. I'm not talking about it anymore. I, I'm, I'm sick of people trying to reason with me why this is happening. God help us. You know, Job had friends that every when something went wrong, they tried, okay, it must have been the fact that you. Let me tell you, if you're that type of person, do me a favor. Don't befriend me, all right? I don't need your friendship like that. There's not always a reason life happens. But in this place, we're told Job quit talking. Now, the book's only three-fourths of the way through, but Job says nothing else. I can't take this anymore. I'm tired of questions about it. I'm tired of giving account for this or that. I'm tired of trying to reason and give an alibi. I just don't want to talk about it anymore. The words of Job are ended. I don't have any idea what God was thinking in putting this man through this trial. But I do know what Job was thinking, I think. Set up. A person can only endure so much. I'm only flesh and bone. I don't know what, how can anyone expect me to give more than I've given? 
I've lost my kids. I've lost my cattle. I've lost my farm. I've lost everything I worked for. And you want to know why? Not you, but I'm preaching. So Job just says, I'm done. I'm talking about it anymore. Fortunately, fortunately, after that breaking point in life, I personally believe is when God begins to tinker with things. When we finally let go of stuff in our life, I, I can't fix it anyway. I've worried so long about this. It's all it's done is make me sick to my stomach and, and migraines in my head. I, I've, I've made bad choices because I can't get my mind off what I did here or what went on there. Sometimes God is waiting. I'm persuaded. Sometimes God is waiting for me just to get out of the way. To quit talking about it. I'm so persuaded God eventually is waiting until I just finally say, all right, God, if it's going to get fixed, I'm not going to say nothing else. I'm not asking for advice anymore. I'm not seeking counsel anywhere. It's in your hands, God. And Job just quit talking. But I'm glad there's more to Job's story. I'm thankful that I've read beyond chapter 31. But in one short day, the man goes from being wealthy, influential, healthy, strong, covered, guarded, to all sorts of hell being unleashed in his life. Funny how the devil always sends people when you really need an answer in your life or you think you need an answer. Always someone comes around and says, hey, Joe, why don't you think about this? Don't quote me. You can check it out by all means. But I think it's chapter 16, verse 2, where Job just looks at him and says, miserable comforters are you all. You're supposed to be helping me and you're pointing fingers at me. said it so long you could say it for me when people come to the house of God or come into your life broken looking for answers they don't need to be reprimanded in church that's why they're here they know something's broken in their life this this unleashing of hell's fury caused the man to write, chapter 5, verse 7, that man is born into trouble as the sparks fly upward. And 14, verse 1, man that is born of woman is a few days and It's those types of things he was thinking that got him to the place where he said, I, I can't, it's not helping me to talk about this anymore. You ever feel like you talked about something that annoyed you so long that you made it worse than it was before you started talking about it? Yeah. We know. I mean, I've, passionate people usually have anger issues, too. 
It's just real. It's just a reality of it, of, of life. I don't need you to come in and say, you better get a control of that boy. No. I know it's there, and I'm praying every day, God, help me. Passion's supposed to be used for good and not evil. But anyway, sometimes people get to the point where a passionate man just says, I can't deal with this anymore. Why, God? What's going on here? Same thing. I've looked at things going on in my own life and said, I don't get it. I just don't get it. <laughs> What's God doing? What's God thinking? Why is my marriage failing? Why is my health failing? Why are my finances going in the tube or down the drain? I pay my tithes. Oh, I want to preach a little bit today. You know, when you obey the Bible, that's a relationship thing between you and God. There's still an enemy to your soul out there trying to do everything he can to disrupt God's promises from coming to pass in your life. And all he needs to do for some people is to, is to time issues coming into your life. I'm faithful in my giving. I support the work of the ministry. Why do I owe taxes this year? Yeah, I asked that a couple weeks ago. Hallelujah. Sometimes there's just no answers to it all. But giving up living for God is not an option. Not an option. Some people get their feelings hurt at church, they run away. Don't see him for three months. That's not the right way to handle life. If anything, you need a, you need a closer walk with God. A deeper walk with God. Oh, man, I don't care if no one's listening but Andre and Marissa today. I do, but I, but, but I just want you to know that life's going to happen, sis. Struggles are going to occur. The devil is living, and he's real, and he's going to try to disrupt your joy, your happiness, going to try to get between you and in your head thoughts. You talk about spiritual warfare. You don't have this problem, brother, I'm sure. But I do. But thoughts will get in my head, and I may be thinking innocent things now, but by the time I dwell on something an hour later, I'm, I'm angry in my head. <laughs> That's not me. That's the devil working on thoughts, the things he can influence. He can't read my mind. He can't make me act upon it, but he can influence what I'm thinking. He can offer me thoughts, and I act upon those thoughts. That's spiritual warfare. Here's this man. This is a real man. This is not a, a dramatic tale offered to the church. He's lost it all. Nature, he thinks, came against him. Storms and, and boils and disease. I mean, if God wanted... To make a difference, why didn't he? Maybe Job thinks things like that. If I'm your beloved and favored, why am I sick? I paid tithes and I'm behind in my rent. Never blame God for life, all right? Life happens. Don't blame God. But the Bible said in Isaiah 55, 
verse 8 and 9, that God doesn't think on the same level that I do or that you do. In fact, verse 9 also says his thoughts are way above my Way above mine. So when I read this book, I'm telling you completely, on, uh, being honest completely, I scratch my head sometimes and I wonder, I wonder what God was up to. It's called a book of poetry, but it's not like English poetry. It consists of parallels and thought rhythm, according to the Hebrew. But it's this, this unleashing, this outpouring, this downfalling of fury upon one man. Someone says, I want to preach. I want to be a preacher. Job. <laughs> Job is at his wit's end. Funny thing about it is the Bible says in all this, God, Job charged not God foolishly. There's a man of dignity and character right there. There's a man who had his mind made up. Here's his, his wife over there. Why don't you just curse God and die? You look like a fool. Careful who you listen to. Some people may feel like it's their job to console you with such stupidity. But anything that attempts to pull you away from God or the church, hey, listen to me, new people. Listen to me, new people. Get closer. Any voice, any human, family, friend, foe, whoever, that tries to pull you away from the church, away from God, away from growing in your relationship with God. Anybody. Anybody. Be very, very cautious about taking their advice. Very cautious. Victor Hugo said that the book of Job is perhaps the greatest masterpiece of the human mind ever written, unquote. <laughs> yeah. Why'd this happen to me, God? Why'd this happen? Mrs. Job is over there ranting and raving. Every time I open the door, it's bad news. This unleashing of the fury of hell. Yeah. Well, what was God thinking? What was God thinking when he told Satan? about Peter's life and Peter's plans. There must have been a conversation between them. It is desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat, but I have prayed for you that your faith fail not. 
What was he saying? What you're about to go through is going to test your faith. And we're not shouting right now, are we? Someone just suddenly had to go out and check something. But life's, life's about more than just bonuses, raises. Sometimes you've got to get through stuff. But let's go to the end of the story here, all right? The Bible said in Job 42, 16, after this, Job lived. Lived Job. After this. After this. After this. What is this? What is this talking about? All that junk in life. All those marriage problems, health issues, spiritual warfare, financial ruin, cancer diagnosis. How many of you praying for Brother Levi lately? I hope you keep it up, keep it up, keep it up. After this, you know what that's telling me, Brother Levi? That God has plans after we get through this, all right? That this isn't the end of it all. This is a struggle, a season, a moment. After this lived Job. Some people don't make plans for after this. They think if this is all God cares about me, I'm done. Some of us probably think those things. If this is all the better God can do for me, what's the point in me living for him? Because there's going to be an after this, that's why. There's going to be an after this. There's going to be an after diabetes that might rack your health. There's going to be an after marriage situations or money problems. See, see the devil's working on God. This is what happens. So what happens? Come up here, brothers, for me, please. Brother Stace, get in the middle there for me. Brother Anthony, come over here. Get on the other side. Brother Seth. This is exactly what's going on in the book of Job and the book of Luke. Sorry, but you're the devil today, all right? God's over here going, come on, man. Everything you see today is not going to be at the, the end of the matter. And the devil's over here saying, oh, come on, you know God hates you. God, if he loves you anymore, he, he, God was saying, no, come on, come on. That's exactly what's going on in your life. That's why, that's why you can go from a moment where you say, oh, God, you're good. I love you. I thank you. Your mercy endures forever. And five minutes later, you're thinking, God, if you love me, you'll change this. There's no doubt in my mind that this story goes on beyond Job and Peter. Every day that you live, Satan is over here going, come on. After this lived Job. No wonder. He dealt with a backslidden wife, friends that had his worst interest in mind, Fury of hell in the world turned loose on him. 
And here he stands in the middle of all of this hell. And he just says, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Hey, that's, that's the kind of people I want to hang around, you hear? I want to hang around people that no matter how it goes, they, they've got faith for me. They've got faith for you. After this season, after this season, let me walk in the spirit. Whatever you're going through, it's a season today. It's a moment in time, Brother Tiger, that just happens to be stamped on your calendar. There's going to be an after this. After this. Not going to be this way forever. Job 8 verse 7. God has plans for your end. That will greatly increase or enlarge over your beginning. Someone look at that and say, that, that, he's talking about me there. In Galatians 6, verse 9. <coughs> Be not weary in well-doing. Because in due season, we're going to reap. If, if you don't give in. If you don't let Mrs. Job convince you, you're right, let's quit. If you don't look at what you've lost, if you don't look at everything you've lost in life and say, yeah, it, it wasn't worth it at all. It wasn't worth it. If we faint, no. You know why good people walk away from God? I'm not talking about evil people. I'm not talking about wicked people. I'm talking about good people. Because they break, they don't know how to discern what they're going through, and somehow in some way they disconnect from voices of reason in their life. And a child left to himself, Solomon said, brings his mother to shame. And you heard Pastor Bradbury last week talk about the, the church is the mother of us all. And when we disconnect from family in the sense of the church being the mother, then I'm left to myself. Oh, man, I can think some crazy stuff. The devil sees to that. God has plans. So what has God got planned for you? Chapter 42, verse 12. <clears throat> to bless the latter end of Job more than his beginning. Come on, somebody. After... You know that verse would have never been written had Job given up? That verse would have never been part of our knowledge base had Job walked away saying, I'm done with God. God is going to make tomorrow better than today. If we cast out away Hebrews 10... 35, our confidence, which hath recompense of reward. For you have need of patience, 36, that after you've done the will of God, you might receive the promise. Yeah. 
taught to be patient when all hell's being Tough to be patient and still. I'm just saying, after this season, I wish you'd make up your mind to keep on living. Keep on coming to church. Keep on praying every day. Keep on reading your Bible. Keep on witnessing everywhere you go. And what doesn't kill you is going to make you stronger. That's a fact. And if you just hang in there, don't quit. Don't walk away. Don't give up. Don't throw in the towel. Don't give up on God. It's just a moment in time. I love what David wrote in Psalm 118. I shall not die, but live and declare the works of the Lord. I'm not giving up. That's what the writer is saying. Sorry, I'm not quitting. I'm not giving up. I'm not going away. I'm not stopping. I'm going to keep on. There's an after this waiting. There's an after this waiting. And Jesus said it. I believe you have one reference. Matthew 24, 13, but he repeated it in 10, 22, Mark 13, 13. And Peter said something about it in 1 Peter 1, verse 9. They that endure to the end. Brother Carlos, you just have to have your mind made up. You just have to have your mind made up. My living for God is not negotiable. I'm living for God. Married, single, well, sick, wealthy, poor, tall, short. I'm living for God. I'm living for God, period. But after this, after this struggle's over, and it will be over, after this season where you're just not sure what choices to make, and it will be over, after this, this time where you're suffering and agonizing, you don't know what to do, and you don't even know what steps to take in life, after this, I guarantee you, I promise you there's going to be an after this. You know what? You know what after this means? You know what after this means? Something is ending and something new is starting. <laughs> something new. That's, that's the Lord Jesus Christ's way. They that endure to the end. Keep on living. Keep on living. Make up your minds, sis. Probably have a thousand questions at your at your level of relationship with God right now. It's it's normal. That's why that's why God connected you to these folks. No question is dumb. No question is silly. Ask them. Ask them. If they don't have the answer, they'll ask somebody else. I tell you, grow line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little and there a little. What's God thinking? I know, I think I know what God's thinking. God is thinking about the day when this is behind you. And he sees you standing up there, Brother Levi Kruger, testifying about the power of God. 
Hey! Let's stand and love the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Love you, Savior. Love you, Savior. God, you're my refuge. God, you're my rock and strength, and I bless your name. God, you're my help and my hope. Jesus, I love you. Jesus, I love you. Oh, come on, new people, praise the Lord today. Just tell the Lord how much you love him. Tell the Lord how much you care about him. Oh, bless his name. Bless his name. Bless his name.